So here we are, another glorious Sunday morning. I feel like I'm up here like trying to finish my homework right before I'm supposed to hand it in. Uh, Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for this gathering of Your people. God, that we might experience all that You have for us. God, we want to receive Your Word today God, with open hearts. God, I just pray that You would open our, our hearts, open our understanding, God, open our eyes and our ears, God, to receive from You exactly what You have for us. In the name of Jesus, I just pray that, that Your Word would come forth, God, uh, as You intended. God, take my thoughts and, and make them Your thoughts. And uh, God, bring forth uh, this Word to Your people. God, it's, it's not about me needing to have something to say because I'm standing here. God, it's about You bringing the, the, the bread to Your people. God, and I just I pray for Your touch this morning, for Your Spirit to do exactly what it does. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Romans chapter 6. This is a familiar passage, something we've talked about a lot. But you know, it's almost like, I don't know, pizza or Chinese or something. It's like, it's like, no, man, I've probably had that before. I'm good. It's like, no, no, of course I won't have it again. So, of course, if you're my children, to be like, well, what kind of pizza is it? Did you buy it at the store? No, thanks. I don't blame them, I suppose, but... Uh, that's, that's when you know that you have spoiled your children. When they turn up their nose at pizza because it came from a store, not a restaurant. <laughs> okay. Either that or you're, you're raising them to have a, dis, you know, a distinctive palate. You know. It's like they, they have you know, refined tastes, I guess. would be a better way to put it. That's a polite way to say picky, isn't it? Mike and I showed up at this house once and the carpenters were still putting in the trim and stuff. And they're like, oh, you guys must be the uh, protective coating application specialists. I was like, I like that. I'm going to use that. That's a, that sounds way cooler than painter. So, like, all right. So, but, but anyway, lest I get off on a bunny trail here. In Romans chapter 6, um, as I said, of course, this is, is a super familiar thing. Um, but, you know, we've, we've been talking a lot about about dominion, and uh, I think we even briefly touched on this passage in a study recently. Um, but it just seems like we just sort of keep staying in this same vein. And, uh, uh, and so I know that God is, is talking to us about about things that He wants to do in our lives and things He wants to deal with. And the great thing about having God talk about something that makes us uncomfortable is that the reason He brings it up is because He wants to do something about it. And and that's always a good thing. Uh, I remember years and years ago when I worked with Kevin, I had had this... one of those moments where you just kind of see yourself in the mirror... And you're like, oh, it seems some particularly odious thing in me. 
that I was discouraged about, and uh, I came to work, and uh, we're just, you know, standing there getting our tools ready and stuff. I was like, man, I, I realize I am a butthead. And uh, the silence just stretched and stretched as he, as he like, groped for the right thing to say, because it's like, well, you can't just say, oh, I know. You know, it's like, oh, I'm glad you figured that out, or <laughs> welcome back, you know. You know, uh, wasn't, I, I don't think he knew what to say to that, you know, but, um, uh, but you know, when, when uh, the nice thing about God pointing out something to you like that that he wants to deal with is it's not because he, he's, he's not picking on you. When my kids get hurt, they're like, ow. It's like, no, I think he's really hurt. It's like, well, I, I said, ha, ha, the first time you said he was hurt. What do you want me to do? <laughs> Pointed and laughed, ha, ha. You know, what else am I supposed to do? But no. but, but seriously, you know, God, uh, he, he wants to, to straighten things out in, in all of us, and, uh, and it's, it's really a blessing. And, uh, you know, and sometimes we, we don't catch on to what he's saying right away. And so he has to say it again, and he has to say it again, he has to say it again. And, you know, for those of you who have raised children, you, you know just how much uh, repetition it takes to get through to a, a youth. So I went in this guy's house the other day, and he had this sign going down the stairs in the basement that said, Man Cave, Selective Hearing from Here. <laughs> like, okay. Like, you know, kids are like that, but we can be like that. It's like, well, I, you know, I, I, I know of people who have have come here in the past that that literally would say things like, "Well, oh, I reserve the right to, you know, listen to whatever I want, or to, to you know, to hear whoever I want." And it's like, so you didn't hear anything that we talked about here, then, is what you're telling me, right? Because you couldn't possibly think that you can just reserve the right to listen to whatever you'd like. Um, that's a, that's such a big part of what has happened to the church. It's like, well, if I don't like that, I just find somebody else. You know? And uh, like, or I'll go to a different church, or 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 I'll uh, we'll, we'll fire this guy and we'll hire somebody else. You know, and uh, you know, how how would you hire a dad? You know. It's, that, that's essentially what that would be like, you know, because as a dad, you get the unpleasant task of of saying no about things and confronting negative behaviors and stuff. But there's lots of great coaching and, and encouragement that goes with it. So it's all well and good, I suppose. So six kind of starts with a question. You know, what shall we say then? So that's kind of a bad place to start, isn't it? Like, what should we say about what? So, um, uh, I guess 19 would work, 519. Because he's talking about how you know sin came into the world through one man's disobedience, and now righteousness is coming through one man's obedience. So, for by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So, by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So, 
It's funny how uh, we love to dissect the Bible intellectually, you know, and, and people do that and they come up with the silliest stuff, you know, and uh, for example, he, uh, he, he talks about how, and I think it's in a different, uh, one of the different epistles, he talks about this, this very thing about, you know, people say that, that because I said uh, where sin abounds, grace did much more abound, that we should just sin all over the place because we're making grace. And it's like, well, you could logically come up with that, that, he, that conclusion, but it doesn't make sense with the whole picture of what God's talking about. It's like cherry-picking this little idea and twisting it to make it say what you want to say. Um which is why it's so important to have the teacher. It's so important to have God telling us, well, actually, this is what this is what I'm saying. You know, I, I read some books that could I have asked the author, so what what are you even talking about in this book? You know, it would have been nice. And in junior high, this English class, I had to read uh, Great Expectations by Charles Dickens, and. I don't know. Maybe maybe I could follow it now that I'm 40. But it was like it was huge. And I mean, I had to read like a chapter of this thing every night, and which was like you know a good chunk of book. And I was so lost. I did not understand a thing in that book. I got to the end of it and I was like, well, it's about this kid named Pip. <laughs> and uh, I guess he had expectations. I suppose. It's like those, those are the Greg's notes. So, uh, if I could have, I would have loved to have sat down with that guy and been like, "What, what are you trying to say in this book? What is it about?" Because I'm not following you here, you know. And and I got to take a test on this, so you know, it's like chop chop, you know. So, so we have we we can we can ask them, what are you what is it you're saying, you know, and. When you go back and read in uh, uh, Ezra or Nehemiah, I forget which, they uh, they have the, the scribes out there teaching the people because they've not really heard the word of God, and it says that they gave the sense. You know, so you know we need a, a teacher, you know, and of course God starts out with somebody with skin on, of course, but but you know the great thing is is He can teach you the word of God. He can teach you what He's talking about. Uh, with his spirit, and he makes it all fit together. So, you know, so he's talking here about um, that. You know, just just as surely as sin reigned unto death, just as surely uh, grace uh, reigns through righteousness and eternal life in, in Jesus. So, in six, he says, "What shall we say then?" Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? It's like you know he's used to arguing with with intellectual people, because uh, you know it talks about when he went to the the one place I forget what they call it now, where it said that everybody that came there, uh, they they the only reason they were there was to hear or tell some new thing, you know, and so they just they just wanted some new, you know, ooh that's interesting kind of thought, and. Uh, 
You know, it's funny because, uh, you know, with, with music and, and books and art, it's like, for the most part, it's just about all been done already, and pretty much anything that you could do is going to be some sort of variation on something that somebody else already did, um, which is why a lot of music sounds the same, because there's only so much you can do with it. So I think somebody thought, hey, well, you know what I should do is turn it upside down and make it sound like it's coming out of a garbage can, and and maybe I should scream. I was at the gym yesterday on Friday, uh, was it like the Today Show or whatever, and they had this Christian metal band playing on their skillet, and I thought, okay, you know, of course I couldn't hear it, it was just, I was just watching it, and uh, so I was thinking about that yesterday, I'm sitting out on my front porch, I look them up on Spotify, and I'm listening to this stuff, I was like, this is such trash, I know. this isn't, how, like their most popular song was about how uh, I, I'm a monster and I can't control it, you should stay away from me, and it's like, what, what about Jesus being able to actually do something about it? You know, so I was I was quite disgusted. But anyway, that that's all free. That wasn't really what I was going to talk about. Um, but it just made me think. It's like, gosh, who who would think? Oh, this is great. You know, it's like I don't know. Uh, but he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So if you're dead to something, then it doesn't affect you anymore. It's like, you know, you hear, you hear somebody, you know, I'm sure you've never had a conversation like this with anybody, but, you know, it's like, you're dead to me, you know. <laughs> and it's like, means you mean nothing to me anymore, you know, and, and nothing that you do or say means anything to me. Um, and so, so he's he's talking about being dead to sin, and I can just see all these like people like, what do you mean? So he says, know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, and that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So, that's a, that's a really great passage. Because it takes faith to... To put yourself in that place, um, you know, there's there's so much, so many different teachings about baptism, you know, and whether or not you've been dunked or sprinkled or or you know whatever, and uh, and and it's all, but it's a picture, you know, because if you've uh, you know, I've, I've been water baptized, and you know, there's like this brief moment where you're thinking. He's just going to hold me down until the bubbles stop coming up, you know. You know, but that's kind of the idea. You know, it's like it's like being buried and coming back up, and and so uh, and of course uh, in Corinthians he talks about the children of Israel being baptized unto Moses. So there's like the sense of identification that happens with this baptism. 
And that, that's one of the, I think, one of the greatest values of, like, getting water baptized is you're making this public declaration that, that I, I, this is my people. And this is what I'm a part of. That, that I belong to Him. So, um, and so He says that if we've been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. So, it's funny because, you know, sometimes we, you know, we get excited about it. It's like, yes, I'm dead with Him. You know, but we forget about the, but I'm also alive with Him thing. You know, and, and so, so then we, you know, because there's this kind of religious thing that happens where it's like, well, I'm dead with Him, and so life is just miserable because I'm dead. You know, okay, we're missing the point now. But, uh, but the great thing is, is He's talking about eternal life here. You know, and because Jesus said he that believes in me shall never die. So so he says in verse 6, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So we all understand that, of course, that Jesus' death on the cross uh, paid that debt and set us all free from sin. But he says here that uh, that... And I love how he says, knowing this. Yeah, it's like, because of course we know that there's nothing like having somebody talk about something as if it's kind of a given that everybody knows and you're like, wait a minute. I didn't know that. No. But he says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Not your dad, but like your flesh. That the body is... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I just want to throw that in there. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that we should henceforth not serve sin. We don't typically feel like our, our old man has been destroyed. You know, try, decide you're going to fast by noon, you will, you'll figure, my old man is plenty alive because it's screaming at me for you know donuts. So... Um, uh, but he but he says here that well of course we know that that we've been crucified with him and that our body's dead, it's been destroyed. That this body of sin has been destroyed. That we should not serve sin. So uh, then he so in verse seven he says that he that is dead is freed from sin or justified from sin. So because if you're dead then you have paid the penalty already for it because the wages of sin is death. And so so he's saying, reckon yourself as having already paid that price because you've been crucified with him. But he has purchased for you this justice of eternal life. So he says, now if we be dead with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. And you got to wonder, what, 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 what does the Catholic Church do with that? Because they, they have this, this mass where supposedly he's like sacrificed over and 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 over, and over, and over again. And it says right here that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more. And of course in Hebrews he says it's counted unto men once to die. And then the judgment... 
But it says death has no more dominion over him. So, which is cool. It's like, so having died, it's like, well, you can't die again. So he says, for in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if you're dead to sin, then then all of its enticements and and things don't really mean anything to you. And uh, and but if you're alive unto God, then the things that God has for you and the things that God expects from you, even those things matter, and, and those things actually have an effect on you. So he says, let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves to God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And I, I like how 12 starts out with the word let. Because if you let somebody do something, you are allowing them to. You could not allow them to, but you're allowing them to. And so, so he says, let not sin reign in your mortal body. So there's this sense, um, there's this sense with the the things, the temptation that that comes to us. That's like you can't say no to me. You don't want to say no to me. And uh, you know, and there, there's something about that that temptation to sin that your your dead flesh all of a sudden is like, ooh, do you smell pizza? You know, it's like rise up and do something here. And and yet, uh, uh, he says that it's it's a matter of letting it. You don't have to obey it. And, and that's the uh, you know, that's the one of the things that, that has happened in our society over the last 50 years or so is it's like, you know, why wouldn't you just do what you want to do? You know, and, you know, it's like that's the problem with people is that they don't just do what they want to do. And, they, and, and all this morality and religion makes them miserable. And, uh, you know, Mark Rutland tells this story about talking to this woman that came up to him after a, some crusade meeting or something, and she was just talking about all this just destruction in her life and how miserable she was and just how she just like lived from party to party to party. And and he's like, well, why don't you stop? Why don't you stop going to the parties? Why don't you go somewhere else? And, she, and you know, I mean, obviously, there's a, you know, that would be a difficult thing when you have trained yourself that that's how you live life. But but what was really interesting about this story was she she looked at him and she said, "You mean I don't have to do what I want to?" And it's like, huh? Don't have to do what I want to, because your your flesh will come up with things that it wants to do, and you don't have to do them. That's what Paul's saying here, because it feels like you do. You know, it, it feels like oh, I I, I must. Like I, I simply can't live if I don't have like twelve donuts today, you know. And you know, it's like one is not nearly enough, you know. And uh, 
Obviously, that's not sinful. That's just a bad idea. But um, but that's the, that's one of the most insidious things about that temptation that comes against you is you feel like you can't tell it no. And whether it comes to you enticing, whether it comes to you bullying, there's this sense of, oh, I just can't say no to this. It's like, well, you can because you don't have to let it reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Because he says, don't yield yourself to it. Don't yield your members as instruments to unrighteousness. Yielding is, a, is an interesting thing because you can, when you're driving, you can yield or you cannot yield. And, uh, you know, I, I totaled, absolutely totaled one of my cars about eh, probably 18, 19 years ago. And I got a ticket. Because the accident was my fault, and the uh, the the citation said failure to yield to oncoming traffic, because I totally pulled out in front of this guy because I did not see him, and uh, uh, so so you can yield or you can not yield is what he's saying here, and so he says don't don't yield yourself to sin. You could yield yourself to righteousness instead. And, and it's funny because it, at first glance, it doesn't feel like it's like the, those would be the same, uh, like the, the level of how easy it is. It feels like it should be really easy to yield to, to sin and really hard to yield to righteousness. But uh, but he just kind of talks about it like it's the same thing here. You know, and you know there is certainly. Um, some training that happens there because you have to make up your mind what you're going to do. You have to make up your mind who you're going to serve. And uh, you know, the first time you yield to righteousness and you you leave you 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 leave that yielding to sin thing behind and you you walk past the temptation, then and your flesh screams and makes like these little like keening noises and and whines and and all this stuff. It is hard, uh, but the more times you do that, the harder it would be to stop and pick it up then. Because the further down the road you get, it's like, man, I can't go back now. I can't quit now. And, and besides that, it's like the how good I feel when I yield to righteousness is nothing in comparison to how... Rummy, I feel after I have yielded myself to sin. Um, and, and he says here that that sin shall not have dominion under you or over you. So, you know, so so much for the doctrine of you're always going to sin. So much for the doctrine of you know you can't help it. It's just going to happen. So much for the bumper stickers that say I'm not perfect, just forgiven. Greg's cranky this morning. Uh, so he says, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? God forbid. And, and I love this. We all know this. We, we could all probably quote this verse backwards and forwards. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourself servant to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey whether of sin to death or of obedience unto righteousness. 
so that's then that's the thing that that we miss, especially as young Christians, we miss uh, when we yield ourselves to unrighteousness. It's like, well, I'm actually I'm, I'm putting myself in this place of of obeying something other than God, and uh, and that's a nasty place to be. And the longer you stay there, the the more difficult it is to to get away from it. Um, you know, I I heard this example once of like trying to get away from some sort of destructive behavior. It's like having a hook in your flesh, and as long as you go whichever way the whoever's got the hook is pulling on you, it doesn't hurt. You're just going along with it, and that's what it's like to yield yourself to sin. And to yield yourself to unrighteousness, it's like it's like that that sense of um, difficulty kind of goes away for a while. It'll come back around because the way of the transgressor is hard. But but that sense of wrestling that happens right then stops, and 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 you actually feel good about your decision because hey, well I feel better now. This must not be so bad. But that's just because you're going in the direction the hook is pulling you. If you pull against the hook and and you decide, actually, I'm not going that direction anymore, uh, the thing about a hook is it is made to dig in. You know, I don't know how much you know about sharks, but uh, sharks' teeth actually face like back in towards their, their throats because the harder you struggle, the more they it just digs into you. And uh, so... You know, sin is like that, but uh, and and so you, then you start feeling that pain of pulling against the hook, and it feels like ah, I don't think I can get away from this. I think I'm stuck, and it's like, well, no. And and so God lets us wrestle through stuff like that, and you know, leave a tattered piece of flesh behind on the hook because it's a really great lesson for you. You know, pain and 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 anxiety and misery are great teachers. It's like, wow, I don't, I don't want to do that again. It's like, uh, it's like going, uh, you know, weeding in a thorn bush. We had this rose bush when we lived in Baldwin that was like, I don't know what the heck happened to this thing, but it was huge, and it would like overgrow the sidewalk. Eventually, people were like, hey, we can't get to your front door. It, it kind of needs to trim that thing. I was like, okay. And, uh, you know, I'd, occasionally I'd go out there, I'd weed it and trim it and all this stuff. And, of course, the great thing about a rose bush is you, like, clip these dead pieces off and then they just sit there and you have to go in after them. And and, <laughs> and you get scratched all the heck. And after you do that once, like, oh, I'm not going to do that again. I'm just going to let it go. So we had a rose bush in Ottawa. And they had to, he actually dug it up to do that dirt work and stuff. And uh, I was like, let it die. Just let it, it's still sitting shriveled against the fence. It's, it's dead. I need to throw it out. But, so, so pain is a great teacher then. And leaving a, a quivering chunk of your flesh on the hook is, uh, is a really great lesson for you about why, why I don't want to yield myself to unrighteousness. Um, because, as I said, we don't think about it like 
I'm, I'm putting myself into servitude of something other than God. We just think of it as like I'm having a moment of weakness. And, um, but the problem with that moment of weakness is um, it makes it so much more difficult the next time it comes around. It's like, well, it's like, well, you just, it's like, well, you just yielded the other day. What's different now? You know, and then it's like, yeah, all right. It's like the teenager that's like supposed to be home at midnight, and his friends are like, "Hey, it's like 11:45." Like, "Hey, where are you going?" Like, oh, "I'm going home now because I don't want to be late. I don't want to get in trouble." Like, "Come on, was I was a teenager once, and uh, so it's like, yeah, all right." So then now you know it's like three hours past your curfew, and you realize I'm more late. You know, my my flawed logic of how could I, you know, I'm already late. And so I may as well just stay out and continue to be late. Like, actually, it's like you're compounding this thing that's getting ready to happen to you when you get home. I I heard this guy telling this story once, and it was great. He's like, I finally realized about about 6 a.m. He's like, I am more late. I need to go home now. And he's like, so I'm like sneaking up the sidewalk. The sun's coming up. And there's my dad standing in the window, and he and he makes this little gesture, points at his watch, and makes this like surprised face at me, and then he like mimed putting a noose around his neck and pulling on it. <laughs> He's like, and I realized I am more late. <laughs> so, uh, and so his, he described his consequences being quite catastrophic and you know and so but that's a good experience isn't it to have those catastrophic consequences for for some poor decision some moment of weakness because God doesn't start there you know he starts out with hey don't do that like "Ah, I wouldn't do that and then why did you do that well that was a bad idea well that was dumb and then the next time it comes around, I wouldn't do that. You know, and then eventually, it's you know he's shouting from a distance off because you know it's like I wouldn't do that. And you're like what? And so so now now you're you're all hooked. Now you're all like caught in this rosebush. And it would be easier to just lay still in the rosebush. It's going to hurt to get out of the rose bush, but you're going to have to climb out of the rose bush and go home. So, so he says here, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourself, servant to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked, you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. So you want that to apply to you. Because you you want to obey the thing that God told you and and do it and and be his servant. Uh because uh the interesting thing about a servant, and we don't get this in modern day America. Uh when you're a servant, you don't pick and choose what you do. 
you do what you're told. And we, we, we don't get that here. It's like, well, I, I don't, I kind of decide, eh, I like that and I don't like that. And it's like, I do a little of this and, uh, uh, all the while not realizing that, that, well, if I, if I do a little of this, I, I'm actually yielding myself to obey something that is not God. And, uh, you know, and the, the the devil is a is a cruel, cruel taskmaster. You know, it's like it's like Ron always says. You know, they show you the they show you all the beautiful people on the beach, you know, drinking beer and playing volleyball. They don't show you like you know some old jaundiced man like incontinent in a hospital somewhere. They don't they don't show you that. And uh, um, and and that's that's one of the things about this. Uh, whether we yield ourselves to unrighteousness or no, because oftentimes unrighteousness looks like something really nice, something really pleasant that would be, you know, it's like Eve with the with the fruit. It's like she saw that it was something to be desired, and and saw this benefit, real or imagined, to it. Um, and so that's that's the thing that that we do is it's like well what is this what's at the heart of this thing it's like who who am i yielding myself to here and and the more you yield yourself to god the, the better it feels the 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 more the longer you stay out of the rose bushes the better you feel you you, you don't have the scratches you don't have like the the itchy numb thing that happens with rose bush scratches and and you you feel really good about life and and you think man I would not go near the rose bush with a 10 foot pole so um I just I've been thinking about lately about how faith there's there's this intersection between faith in God and obedience because um if you really believe God and I think I said this last week but if if you really believe that God is who he, who he is, and if you believe that that His claim on you that He that He spells out in His Word is, if if you believe that that applies to you, you don't get to tell Him no. He made you where you can, but if He's going to be your Lord and if you're going to yield yourself to Him, then then He becomes your master and He becomes your Lord and you become His servant. And so being his servant then, you have to obey him. And and so there's there's this interesting thing about you know, unbelief that says, Well, I don't have to obey him. But it's like it's like working a job and and, and collecting wages. You know, and and we're very superstitious. Even even still, I, I think we get so superstitious about well, I I did this dastardly thing and nothing untoward happened. Like, well, not yet. Not that you can see. Um, but, uh, um, but, but real faith understands, like, wow, I, I have to obey God because He is, He's, He's God. And He's my, He's, if He's my Lord, if I call Him Lord, I can't, I can't say Lord and not obey Him. So, um, so it's an interesting thing that, that God does in us because He He wants us to be under His dominion alone. 
and, and, and no other. And, uh, you know, as Americans, we don't like the idea of being dominated by anybody. You know, and it's like I used to work this job that, you know, I worked for someone else, but I was given an enormous amount of autonomy. I could just pretty much do what I wanted because I could be trusted with it for the most part. And and then I leave that and I become my own boss of sorts. And I'll be darned if I got to this place where it's like, I don't like people telling me what to do. I don't like people finding fault with my decisions. So, you know, know, beware should you go out to be your own boss because because you still have a boss. And that's why David could be king was because he understood that that he was still accountable to God. That's the thing that Saul, that's the the unbelief that Saul had. He didn't think he had to be accountable to God. So, Jesus, we just thank you so much for your faithfulness. We thank you for uh, all that you've done for us. God, you have set us free from the the dominion of sin. Lord God, and uh, God, we want to walk in that newness of life with you. We want to walk in that place where we're yielded to you alone. God, that where we are your servants, yielded to you. God, we just we pray that you would do in all of us what only you could do. God, every... Uh, every broken and confused thought process that you would straighten it out. God, every uh, every doubt and unbelief in us, God, shine your light on it. God, and uh, and change these things in us. God, we are looking to you today. God, to empower us. God, you're looking for us to make up our minds. God, and you empower us in those decisions. God, to follow after you and to do the things that you would have us do. And God, today, if we're pulling against the hook, that's a good thing to do. Lord God, and I just pray that you would help us to have the determination to, to pull against the hook until we're freed from it. And God, we just we pray today God, that you would do in all of your people, God, what only you could. God, in your precious, righteous name we pray. God, you are our Savior. You are the Deliverer. God, and you are the mighty God. And we're looking to you today as the author and the finisher of our faith and the answer to our every need. In the name of Jesus.